Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Good morning. Is it a good morning? I am willing it into existence. Just mind over matter? Yeah. yeah. It's not a bad morning. It just hasn't been smooth. And I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I'm ready to get ripping. Okay. So I just cracked the Red Bull open and consuming my daily dose of caffeine. It's better if you start drinking that like an hour before you actually need it. I don't know. My my body just constantly has some caffeine yeah. flowing through it. There's probably some level of uh, like Pavlov's dog where just the sound of oh, yeah. cracking totally. that open is enough to get your brain moving. I can't believe you remember that story, first of all, but Pavlov. Yeah, man. I mean, you learned that in like second grade. You never cease to amaze me. <laughs> never. <laughs> Just random useless facts. They're great. No, it's a great story. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, that's a good question. I have a couple topics that are sort of half-baked. You know, something that's been in the news lately are 3D printed houses. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I want to talk about, there's a YouTube channel that I came across that I think would be fun to take a peek at that would transition over to a question or something that I've dealt with. And maybe we can just jump into that since I don't think either one of us printed any, uh, April fool's prints. Did we? No, I'm using, I'm recycling one. What's that? The pizza. Oh yeah. The pizza. I'm taking that home with me today. And okay. I, <laughs> I'm having somebody take it will a work. bite out of that. It will work. Oh. You're going well, to have how to are they hold gonna react? it, though. You're going to have to hold it and try to feed it to somebody. Be like, take <laughs> a bite of this pizza. You know? That's what... <laughs> Do you have, have friends to... like that that would... <laughs> would... <laughs> that you could hand feed? I no, suppose. not a single person in my in my life would trust me to I that degree. Same here. <laughs> They're going to be like, what's going on? This yeah. is weird. <laughs> I mean, but hey, I'll give it a shot. I'll experiment a little bit and I will try to come. My goal is to come back with one of those pieces of pizza with a corner bit off it. If they actually bite it and it breaks, that would be really both impressive they're a sociopath and, uh, for sure. There's something wrong with that person <laughs> for sure. Like, why are you biting your food that hard as a first bite? Just chomping down on it like pliers. We'll see. Oh, e that pizza, you know, you know, cars, right? And there's the concept of like a 10 foot car. Like it looks good from 10 feet away. But good once from you get far, but far from good, you, know, you once you get closer, you start to see the imperfections. I think okay. that pizza is like a one foot pizza from about a foot away. It looks very real, which a foot away from your face is about the time where you start to go cross-eyed 
and yeah. you can't really see anything that uh, well anyway. Usually you don't watch the food enter your mouth. That's right? what I'm saying. <laughs> you're yeah, not, you're exactly. not, your eyes aren't guiding it once all the way in. <laughs> once it's at that foot mark, yeah. you've, you're committed. So, you know, you probably don't have to make it any more realistic than beyond a certain point, right? Yeah. And it's, it approaches that. It's the tactile uh, feedback that would really throw people off. I'm interested to see because a lot of times you believe when you see something, Mm -hmm. you just go with it. Yeah. You go with it. And I feel like if someone grabs the crust of that pizza, they're like, ooh, this is a little stale. Maybe that that thought enters their mind, but the thought doesn't enter, I'm not going to eat this. This is too stale. You're still going to take that first bite to see just how stale it is. What you should do is put the plate out in your house and uh, tell your roommates, like, hey, I got some pizza for us. And then once they're in the room, spread some Parmesan <laughs> or something, put some, some, in, but the some Parmesan topping on won't it. soak into the grease. I know, but it will play into the whole facade of this is a real pizza. So if they see you, Do you doing want that. peppers on yours? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to go okay. well. It has some potential. I think I may try and do one that's non-3D printed as well. I like the verbal pranks because they're so easy and it's fun to just tell someone a lie and (laughs) see how long they'll believe it for. And then you can say April Fool's (laughs) once you've sufficiently messed with their mind. Yeah. Yeah. I might try that. I think that's where I'm going to go. I'm not going to try it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Do it to your wife. What am I going to tell her? From work today. What am I going to tell her? Tell her you got a... Promoted to uh, COO, dude. That's just setting my setting her myself up for like just dis- disappointment. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Putting putting something in her mind that's like, oh yeah, actually, you know, if that were even possible, you could um, tell her you hit a an elephant on the way home from work hmm. that escaped from the Hokel Zoo. Terrible. The he's, bigger, hey, I was no told good. this, and I and I believe it to some extent. The bigger the lie, the easier it is to believe. Oh, because yeah. there reaches a point where it's like, okay, this is a little fib. He yeah. he's, uh, and then and then it once it's gone past that, it's like this is too big to lie about. Yeah, no one would lie about this. This is too outlandish. Are we talk? Are so, we talking about right now? <laughs> oh my gosh, no. <laughs> <clears throat> Although, speaking of uh, printers that kind of do metal, okay, we have the Method X. We took delivery, mm-hmm. yep, and we've been kind of playing with it here in the office. It's kind of uh, it got here, and it sat in the box for I think a day because everyone was just kind of waiting for like who who owns this, like mm-hmm. who who is manager of this machine. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of up in the air, like it doesn't go in the print lab. So we set it up in a cubicle, an empty cubicle, and it's right across the the hallway from one of our more hands-on application engineers over with SolidWorks. And he's really excited about it. Yeah. First thing he starts talking to me about is guess what? The UltraFuse? Yes. <laughs> Did you know this thing can print metal tape? The, the very first thing? Yeah. Wow. That was the first thing. He's like... Prescient. Yeah. He was stoked. 
And I kind of had to damper his hopes a little bit, mm-hmm. calm would, him down. Did you go full Grim Reaper on him? Uh, Yeah, eventually, because initially he still was just buying into all the yeah. hype. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 you can do this. And he's trying to correct me. And I'm like, no, 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 like just... Just you wait. So you're at, at a certain point. You're just thinking uh, he's not he's not getting it. I gotta Exa- yeah. I, I just gotta. That's exactly be what forthright. Happened. You know. It's exactly what happened. So we did get the experimental extruder, which is the extruder that. Oh, did we? I, yeah. So um, we can actually try the ultra fuse. We should try it. Yeah, and I believe also that makes it so you can buy third-party materials yeah. with the experimental head. Do you know of any other materials that require that experimental head? Um, anyone that Stratasys doesn't already provide. Yeah, or, true. And or MakerBot. Hmm. Well, we'll see we, how it we goes. could print some uh, like balsa wood. <laughs> but I, I do want to say we have printed a few times on it in ASA. Uh-huh. My observations so far, pretty good. It was still going this morning. I think it was from yesterday. Yeah, Steve threw on an egg. It's oh, like this. Oh, the gyroid egg. Yes, the gyroid egg. That's still printing. It still has like over five hours left. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, so. The speed. It's slow. It, Th- it appears a, to be slow. Yeah, this is like a, a standard chicken egg yeah. size. So you can visualize the size. And it's just. It's the geometry is kind of funny. It seemed um, like an ostrich egg. It seemed f- bigger than just a. It is not a, an ostrich egg. An ostrich egg is almost the size of a volleyball. Is it? Yeah. Okay, not an ostrich egg. They're huge. Um, like a base. It seems more like the size of a baseball. No. Yeah. It's bigger than a chicken egg. Yeah, it is bigger than a chicken egg. I don't. Tyler I didn't have knows an egg. a lot, but he does not know the size of an ostrich egg. I'll admit that. <laughs> Can't an ostrich egg feed like 20 people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're huge. I cannot imagine cooking one, though. Ooh. Why? Sick. Why? Can you imagine how big the yolk would be? Mm, I don't know. Ooh. Does it, does it scale up in the same way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get off the egg topic. Yeah. But these, th- this printer... It is a little slower. That's what we've noticed. But, of course, we are comparing it to um, Stratasys F123 series, production-style machines. Right. Um, That's the context we have. Right. So this egg on one of our machines wouldn't be uh, taking quite It does look long. good. It also has a lot of support material. So the way that system works, yeah. the support material on every layer because it's that gyroid, so it's being filled with support. Yeah. That's going to add a significant amount of time because it's switching back and forth between the two. Good point. So we're not just talking about a standard egg, which would be self-supporting, uh, most likely. Yes. Uh, that would print significantly faster, would be my guess. If I was to describe this without anyone looking it up, it's like uh, a brain, kind of. You know, the crinkled spaghetti look. It's a gyroid. Yeah. Well. If you're going to look it up, look up gyroid. I'm going to look up gyroid right now. <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, and I'm, yeah. Look uh, up triply periodic gyroid. Oh, my gosh, you freaking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I 
This is something I've learned through experimenting with the N-topology tool. This is a shape that they're really into. Triply periodic gyroid. Yeah, it's TPMS, I think, but I can't remember what the MS stands for. Another acronym. I know. Which also TPMS is tire pressure monitoring system. So I can't get that out of my head. It's true. Well, uh, all these Google images aren't, in my opinion, they don't look like the egg. I can see how it's derived from that. I mean, this is the closest thing right here, the double swatch. Anyway. Yeah, because all those images are just a unit cell of the gyroid. For those of you who don't know what a gyroid looks like right off the top of your head like Tyler does, and many other people that are probably thinking, man, Tate is so dumb. Uh, for those of you on my side of the boat, wow, <laughs> we, uh, we Google things like this. Anyway, if I were to describe it, it looks more like it is a mathematical shape, but it looks like the crinkling of like a noodle or something, and that's what yeah. this egg looks like. So there's a lot of dead, dead space in between, uh, and that's what Tyler's talking about is filling up with, with the uh, support material. So, yeah, I can see how that adds significant time. Yeah. Hey, One, by the way, the only difference between you and me in this scenario is that I had, had already Googled it. Oh, Okay, yeah, whatever. Tyler's <laughs> trying to make himself relatable. He's one of us. Wow. But he's really not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we this the other observation that I made on the MakerBot ASA, because that's what material we're printing in, it is not it doesn't have that matte finish that we're used to seeing off the Fortis machines and, and the F one two three series. It's more sh it has more of a shimmer. It's got some shine to it. Oh, yeah? And I honestly like the matte finish on the ASA, so I kind of miss that. Well, at least if it comes out satin or semi-gloss or eggshell or whatever it is, the sheen, it's easier to make it more matte, right, than it is to make it more glossy. So yeah. I kind of like it if it comes out more glossy because you can reduce the sheen easier than increasing the sheen. The best way to increase the sheen would be like a solvent vapor bath or something like that. Or you could just spray it with clear coat. Yeah, you could. Nothing's easier than that. Uh, not having to do it is easier. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> All right, so that was my, what I wanted to bring up real quick. We We've used the MakerBot. We like it. It's doing okay. Yeah. It's doing good. So we do have now a small little benchtop heat treat oven with a vent hole. So we could experiment with the Ultrafuse. We bought it. Why would we want to do that when we could just send it? Oh, I guess we could. We should do both. I, I want to send it away because I want to go through the process that they're advertising. Mm. Okay. Let's do both. Okay. Deal. So what do you know about 3D printing houses? Um, so I've seen a few of these stories pop up and I think they're actually becoming more popular. Like people are actually doing it. Uh, I Googled it just like right before we jumped on here and I saw that the three, the first 3d printed home is listed for sale. That was a month ago. And if the home selling market is as hot wherever this sold, 
as it is in Utah, it's already gone. It was gone <laughs> in the first three days. So maybe I wonder what I wonder what the limits are on uh, taking a mortgage out on a house like that, where it's experimental construction. Like for example, you, these you know metal buildings, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. They call them barn dominiums. Yeah, you can't get a conventional mortgage on something like that. Yeah. Because the bank doesn't value it in the same way as a conventionally built home. Well, that is actually something important to be thinking about. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But uh, most of these are concrete-based, right? Most of them. My, my little research tells me that perhaps some of them are more of a polymer, but... I really think that almost all of them are just some sort of extrudable concrete. Which, so the process is just like FDM with a concrete. And I imagine there's yeah. some sort of setup time between layers. Probably can't just go layer to layer to layer, can it? Um, they appear to be able to do that. Yeah. There is, there seems to be a lot of setup time initially because you have to build up the machine system, the XY gantry system. And uh, different machines seem to be more or less difficult. Not all of them are gantry style either. Uh, from what I've seen, some of them are robotic arm. Yeah, that really limits your footprint, though. It so depends if you're, on how big the arm is. Well, true. But uh, from what I know about robotic arms, I don't really see that being a very good option. Like some of the largest robotic arms that I've seen wouldn't, I mean, the largest robotic arms that I've seen. So we're talking about IMTS, Fanuc bringing their biggest and their best to the floor, big enough to hold up a Corvette. It wouldn't have the reach to create a house larger than probably 700 square feet or something like that. And also like with robots, the kinematic chain from... The they extruder. don't look like a traditional robotic arm. It's really just like, it's like a pivoted, it has a okay. center point. It's more like a crane. Okay. So if you can imagine. Yeah, what do they call those? Almost just like two axis robots where you have a center pivot. So you have a, uh, yeah, like a you, polar axis and then, and then an extruder that just runs up and down the radius. Yes, Is that right? Yes. Along the crane. Yep. Got it. Well, that presents challenges as well, but uh, a little bit different. Like that robot would have to be basically in the center of the of the building, right? Yep. So you'd have to lift it out. Lift it out. I don't know. Every, every setup that I've seen involves cranes. And uh, I have a hard time imagining that this is, could, could approach being cheaper than just a conventional concrete foundation. Well, it says here, uh, this is on CNBC, there's a 900-square-foot model home on Long Island. Um, this is a guy named Kirk Anderson. It's listed, the home, let's see, the new home, he built a second one. It's 1,500 square feet. Mm -hmm. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath, and it's got a garage, and it's listed at 299, $299,000, so comparably... A new home in that area is around 600K, so about half the price. Yeah. Which it's still going to have traditionally built, you know, cabinets, all that stuff within the home. 
the there's, roof. There's different levels of what is considered a 3D printed house. In some cases, um, they're just replacing, actually, I think in most cases, just the walls. And in many cases, just the walls on the first story. So you're looking at complicating the, the uh, process considerably in order to create walls that are more permanent and much thicker than a conventional wall. I'm pretty skeptical about it. Can you tell? Typical. <laughs> Typical Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I even brought this up. I don't want to be skeptical about everything we talk about. Okay. But I'm skeptical of it. What were we talking about yesterday? Oh, we were talking about houses. And you're like, we need to bring this up. No, nah, we don't need to bring it up. It's it's, Why not? it's so off topic. Why not? Well, we could bring it up in the context of, like, if you buy a house like that, and it's a it's supposed to be an investment property, you know? <laughs> Speaking of the skeptic. Yeah. And I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. We don't have to. Let's... Let's talk a little bit more about this. Himself. Let me tell you one thing that really <laughs> makes me skeptical. So okay. one of the companies that is is in the news recently on this topic is a company called Icon. And Icon builds a gantry system to print homes. And they printed some homes in Austin, Texas. And uh, I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll look this up. So I went to their YouTube page. And you tell me if this raises red flags. All of their videos, the comments are turned off. Oh, yeah. What do you think when you see that? I think there's a lot of poop talk. I think there's a lot of poop talk and a lot of people, uh, and yeah, they're protecting themselves. There's something up because you go to other videos on the same or similar topic, and the discussion is actually relatively positive. People overall are very optimistic about this. But uh, for some reason, they decided to turn the comments off. On every video. Every video that I clicked into, yeah. Mm -hmm. And their videos are all marketing videos. So it's almost all just B-roll set to music. Um, there's a few where you have some people from the company talking, but uh, they're mostly just promotional videos, one and two minute videos. So that concerns me. Well, that's, they're not the only company that's 3D printing homes. That's or true. Or buildings. But I did see their name pop up. On they, my quick Google search. Yeah. They've raised, um, I think, somewhere in the realm of $80 million over a round or two. And a couple of those investors were well-known uh, either home builders or developers. You know, one was D.R. Horton, very well-known oh, yeah. throughout the country. One was Emar, which when I visited Dubai, Emar was on... Uh, it was on half the buildings in Dubai. So big time developer. Low key flex there. No. <laughs> you know what's strange in Dubai? Like uh, the, instead of the company names being on the buildings, they're the developer names. So you look through a sea of skyscrapers. Really? And there's just two names on all of the buildings for the most part. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's different, huh? That's way different. I need to look back into uh, how how Dubai weathered 2020 because when I was there, which was early 2018, I think, 
uh, they were prepping for a big worldwide global event scheduled for 2020. And it was supposed to bring in all sorts of different potential investors and businesses and whatnot. And they were building something like a million hotel rooms across, you know, however many buildings for this six month attraction. No uh huh. Yeah. And I don't think that happened. <laughs> I just thought of something. What's that? Speaking of things that didn't happen. Yeah. So I think last episode we talked about the the failed Kickstarter, the helmet. Remember that? Mm, remind me. So we were talking about the uh gosh. I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this. I wanna I vaguely I wanna remember put a it. name to it because I actually went back after we talked about it uh-huh. to re just to remember more details on the story. It, the company was named Scully. Okay. And they produced this or this idea of kind of like a heads-up display in a motorcycle helmet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Remember? Yeah. And I just wanted to give everyone the name. So if you're listening episode to episode right now, and this is still fresh on your mind, look up the story on Scully. Hilarious. The investor, uh, uh, sorry, the the Kickstarter owner and and Uh co-owner of the company basically took all the proceeds and went to bars, strip clubs, vacations, you name it. Really? They squandered all the money. They didn't really put it into the technology. They just led everyone on. And basically, they're toast now, right? We already talked about that. Are there personal legal consequences against this person? I would assume so. Um, however, how other companies are dealing with it, right? Because it was a good idea. People obviously bought into it. Um, people were investing, you know, I think, uh, so a thousand or 1500 bucks mm-hmm. on the Kickstarter and uh, to be the first ones to get one. And they obviously got no return yeah. on that. So there are other companies right now that have taken those ideas. They're producing them and making them a reality. They're actually putting their money towards the technology. And there are some of them, I think at least one, I wish I remembered the name, but they will give those people who initially invested in Scully a credit That's towards smart. their technology, which is really cool. That and is. Yeah, smart. Yeah, that's, that's smart. So way I, off topic, sorry, that was I a tangent. I have two kind of but, related topics. Okay. One is a what appears to be a Kickstarter success, which I think, you know, there is a place for Kickstarter. Uh, I bet a lot of people in our audience, you know, could be potential entrepreneurs through Kickstarter. Um, you know, anybody who is dabbling in 3D printing has a inventor-like mindset. Um, oftentimes there's a lot of overlap with an entrepreneur-like mindset. And uh, I think Kickstarter is a great way to get funding for ideas that's accessible. You don't have to have the relationships and whatnot. Um, But it's almost too accessible in a way that is a little bit dangerous, right? Because as soon as you start taking money, then there's expectations. And if, if capturing the funding is the easiest step and it and, it, and they don't <laughs> yeah. assist with, you know, the actual design and manufacturing and distribution and, 
and all of that packaging, then uh, you could get in over your head fairly easy. For sure. There's a content creator that I like. His name is uh, Make Art Now. He's on Instagram, YouTube. And uh, he is a videographer. And uh, he partnered with a company called Marble to bring this basically like an overhead tripod that spins a camera around a subject 360 degrees. Okay. And uh, I think it's cool because he's not an inventor at all. He he uh, is handy, but not an inventor. And through his following, like basically the brand that he built around himself, he has raised over $300,000 on Kickstarter, last I checked. They set a goal of 7,000. <laughs> and... Uh, they're at over 300,000, which oh my is a whole other level of problems, right? Because you may, you may think like, hey, I'm going to create 100 of these a year. And you start developing a supply chain for that. And then suddenly you get orders for 10x that or more. That can create some issues. Time for Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. So the other top, the other one that's more 3D printing related is that um, I used to be pretty active on this uh, Daft Punk fan forum. Okay. And there was a whole section on this forum dedicated to building helmets. And I built a helmet originally out of like a baseball helmet and Bondo and cardstock and stuff. And it was pretty awesome. But once I started working here, it was always a goal of mine to 3D print a helmet. Dude, and that's what we should be for Halloween. We better get on it because it's complicated. Daft uh, Punk would be so relevant. So relevant, for sure, because now they don't exist. I'm a little taller than you. <laughs> it's, it'll be perfect. So I get to be Guy and you get to be Thomas? Yeah. So there was one person that kind of went into, quote, unquote, business building these helmets. And his thing was he had a great... Uh, plan for the electronics. He went through and created PCBs for all of the different components, whatever. And uh, in exchange for getting copies of each helmet, I provided prints of the helmets. <laughs> and the idea was that these prints were going to be the masters for his molds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these these helmets, you mold them. You he ended up just taking them, didn't he? And using them so for himself. So he was... No, he... Maybe. He, he didn't was, even... <laughs> he was taking pre-orders, and these helmets were seven hundred to twelve hundred dollars, depending on the level of complexity, mm -hmm. the electronics and whatnot. So he was taking pre-orders at that, at those prices. Holy cow! And uh, not he got in over his head, not delivering at all. He ended up not delivering a single helmet. Eventually, he had to declare bankruptcy because. I think it was, a, I can't remember if it was personal bankruptcy or a business bankruptcy, but on the forum, like people who really got screwed more than me, because I just, I just provided prints. Yeah. There were people who put forward good money. They were keeping track of the court cases and all sorts of stuff. Oh. Just totally destroyed his reputation. Totally oh. destroyed his reputation. And, but his work was good. It just, the. Going into business is a little bit different than 
being. The idea of his product was bigger than his. Yeah. Bigger than his britches. Yeah. It's like me in my yard, right? If I was <laughs> bidding on my fence or whatever, I would quickly go out of business because everything's taking me 30x longer than I thought. I need to apologize for my sniffling. It's allergy season. It's coming. I'm going to try and get this <laughs> taken care of before we get too much more into it. But like the plants yesterday knew that it was going to be warm. Uh-huh. And it was not warm. No. But I'm feeling it. Anyway. I so can tell. if you can hear me sniffling, I'm so, so sorry. I know how annoying that must be. But um, anyway, so just to wrap things up and put a bow on the, the house stuff, I've got a meeting. Oh, yeah. Here in a couple minutes. Um, I think the limitation of home building, at least for now, 3D printed homes, is that you're really only able to print the walls from what I've seen. Yeah. Unless it's like one of these dome type structures, but then you're really changing the landscape. It would almost have to be like a community, a community thing, maybe yeah. even like an HOA type situation where it's just like, oh yeah, that's that, uh, that's that area of town with the dome houses. Or you know what I mean? Like some something you still have a lot of traditional yeah. processes involved, which maybe you don't seek to replace all that, but frame building on a home is like one of the fastest, easiest parts. And these, that's these, what you're replacing. These crews come in and pour concrete foundations in one day. Framers take a little bit longer than that, but uh, you know, just like with conventional 3D printing of plastics and metals, we're always comparing against the alternatives, the alternatives. Yeah. And companies don't really care how it's made. What they care about is lead time, cost, et cetera. And what's funny is like, you'll see this company saying, oh, well, our 3D printed houses can be made 10 to 30% faster. Oh, but also our machines are booked out for 24 months. So what's, (laughs) where's the value there? Right. Yeah. I don't know. And like you said, there's going to be other problems with it. Who's going to loan on it? It's not a traditional dwelling. Um, but for all we know, maybe maybe it falls under some other category. Because like a cinder block building, if your home was made of brick, like what's the difference? This is... Uh, yeah. I think house the housing vertical, the, that application, will, will have some of the same red tape that aerospace and automotive has. Like there are regulatory roadblocks... And, um, you know, kind of like with nano dimension, when I was saying that the boards can't withstand the temperatures of conventional pick and place environments using conventional soldering temperatures, that's a reality that unless you can get past that, that's going to crush adoption. If you can't get conventional mortgages on a 3D printed house, that will also crush adoption. And the only way to get around that is educate the financial institutions or lobby for legislation in your state to recognize a 3D printed house as being equivalent, which may involve a lot of testing and validation and stuff. It's a long road to some of these applications. Yeah. And as long as it's at least the, um, it's like FDM, at least the thermoplastics are familiar thermoplastics and industry accepted. Mm-hmm. So at least you have that. Yeah, the way it's laid down, the way it's uh, basically shaped isn't traditional. Um, 
but at least this is concrete for these home builders. At least they're printing in a traditional material. Maybe. Because even within the concrete world, there's a lot of different types of concrete. Three bag, four bag, five bag, six bag. And they have different levels of aggregate. And the aggregate is what... Okay. No, the aggregate is what gives it its strength. (laughs) Concrete is a composite. Imagine carbon fiber with no fibers or just a few fibers. I, I agree. I'm saying... They, they they probably have some controls over those types of things. I can't imagine heat and wind maybe having as big of an effect on liquid concrete. It's more it's l- less susceptible to those types of things than our printers. <laughs> oh yeah, my uh, oh my, my master gosh. bedroom walls curling. <laughs> Get the fans out. That's I can imagine that's what you're be, saying, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll we'll see how things go. I, I do keep my eye on mm. that though, because I think it looks cool. It is cool. I think you're gonna have the same challenges with a 3D printed home like that. That's home, printed layer by layer. It's gonna be a post processing thing, right? People want that, but it, they don't want it to look like that. Yeah, dude. All like, I can imagine is. Uh, like these concrete walls are they, on the interior, they don't appear to be finished. So you're not adding drywall and things like that. You could uh, though. You could, I guess, but if you're going to, oh, you might as well just frame w- the wall. So all I can picture is how dusty they're going to get. <laughs> all those grooves. <laughs> okay, mom. All right. Dude, I'm serious. <laughs> We'll check back in in three or four years when when I think the next notable advancement will happen. I think it'll be three or four years. Nah, it won't be that long. Things are cooking, dude. They're cooking with peanut oil. We'll see. All right. Well, on that note. Hey, I do want to put a bug in people's minds for next week. The topic that that we didn't get to Uh is when you tell people you're in 3D printing, do you worry that the perception that you're giving off is that you basically deal with toys. Ah. So do you, do you, do you add something? You know, I'm in, I'm in 3d printing, but it's this. I say industrial. Let's talk about this next week. Okay, perfect. Uh, one other thing, since you're plugging the next episode, there's going to be a blog post out on the go engineers website about SAF technology. We talked a little bit about it last episode. If you're wanting more information from Stratasys themselves, I put links in that blog. So go ahead and visit that. All right. All right. Catch you next week.